Hello, and welcome to this episode of Surety Today. Surety Today is a live monthly call-in podcast presented by the Surety and Fidelity Law Group at Wright, Constable, and Skeen, located in the Mid-Atlantic region. Surety Today is offered to surety claims professionals and is designed to keep you informed about important issues in the industry. Here is your host, Michael Stover. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Surety Today. My name is Mike Stover, and I'm a partner in the Surety and Fidelity Law Group at Wright Constable and Skeed in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, I'm coming to you live from Asheville, North Carolina, on the first leg of my uh, road trip with my daughter, Sarah, uh, going from Maryland to Austin, Texas, where she's relocating for her job with Tesla, which has a huge factory outside of Austin. Uh, Also today, I'm joined by my special guest, Mr. Mark Stein, Vice President with Vertex Companies, located in Irving, Texas. Mark's uh, worked as a construction professional for over 25 years with senior and executive project management experience, including large-scale hospitality and resorts, uh, telecommunication infrastructure, institutional, residential, and, and heavy highway projects in the U.S., Caribbean, South America. At Vertex, uh, Mr. Stein is a forensic surety consultant and construction uh, project management expert. Mr. Stein um, has conducted over 1,000 investigations for property and casualty insurance claims, uh, surety bond claims, construction claims for insurance carriers, attorneys, uh, building owners, developers, adjusters, you name it. Uh, His areas of expertise include construction project management, telecommunications infrastructure, building envelope constructions, and cladding materials, roofing, non-structural waterproofing, hard surface flooring, wood flooring, millwork, paint, coating, uh, EFIS, stucco, and other construction-related systems. Uh, He earned his Bachelor's of Science degree in Construction Engineering uh, Technology from Central Connecticut State University, his Master's of Science degree in Project Management Construction from Walden University and his Doctor of Business Administration degree in project management also from Walden University. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Michael, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today, and uh, I look forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, And thank you to all of our listeners and supporters of Surety today. Remember, as I always say, you can listen to uh, anyone or or all of our prior 83 episodes of uh, Surety today anytime, anywhere, from any one of our multiple platforms on our uh, Surety Today page on our website at wcslaw.com, as a podcast at uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, just search for Surety Today, and on our micro site at suretytoday.net. We are rapidly closing in on um, 10,000 downloads of our podcast. I think we only got about 50 more and we'll hit that 10,000 mark. As always, we have muted the line during the presentation to avoid any background noise, and we'll uh, unmute the line at the end for any questions. So today, uh, Mark and I are going to talk about navigating a relet process. So when the the principal is terminated and the obligee makes demand under the performance bond, the surety, of course, typically has a variety of options to consider, and two of those options are takeover or tender. Uh, and generally, those options require that the surety conduct a relet process to find a suitable completion or a tender contractor. In this uh, in this episode, we'll discuss that relet process. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll delve into what factors should be considered in deciding whether to relet or not, the, the steps in a relet, preparing the relet documents, subcontractor ratification, locating bidders, potential pitfalls, strategies, and all that kind of stuff. So the first question uh, for Mark is, but what are some of the factors that the surety should consider when deciding whether to relet or not? Uh, thanks, Michael. So some of the considerations that, uh, you know, not only the consultant, but the surety uh, typically looks at is, you know, what's going on with the principal? Are, are they financially solvent? Uh, do they have appropriate staff? Um, you know, what kind of work are they involved in? Are they uh, a general contractor or are they small uh, artisan uh, subcontractor? And also, where's the project located? Um, we also look at, uh, you know, scheduling. What does the schedule look like at, at the time of the, you know, default or termination? And what are the time requirements uh, for, for the completion? Um, we also look at, um, you know, if there's any other contractors available to possibly complete work. Uh, some big highway jobs, for example, uh, might have two or more um, subcontracts doing the exact same amount of work. Uh, something very quick is, hey, can we, you know, could one of the other subcontractors jump on this? Um, and, you know, we also look at, we need to understand uh, both from the principal and the obligee, you know, why is the principal being defaulted uh, or, or terminated? You know, what are the extent of the issues? Uh, you know, what kind of deficiencies are there? Or is it just bad blood? You know, whatever. Um, and then lastly, uh, you know, are there payment bond claims coming in? I mean, typically this is a big red, big red flag uh, for not only financial solvency of the principal, but it, it, it at times is a, uh, you know, a, a tip of the iceberg. And, and uh, when you start getting payment bond claims in, um, it, it, it can tell a story. Yeah, sure. These are all things that I know in, in, in my experience in the past, uh, my 32 years, uh, we, we've looked at all these factors when we're, when we're trying to make this decision. I, I would I would also note that, 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 you know, I think part of what you said in there was level of completion. You know, the closer you get to the project being complete, the more difficult it may be to find a contractor that's willing to come in, you know, and, and accept uh, the potential risks and stuff like that. And, and is it worth their time? And, you know, you, you run into those factors. Also, Another one is is who the obligee is. You know, what's their reputation as as well as the reputation of the project. Some projects get that reputation as just being a you know a really troubled project. Nobody wants to get involved, or you get a really bad obligee. We had a case recently where we were doing a relay and we got a bid. The contractor said, "I'll do the work for the surety as a takeover, but I'm not going to work directly with the uh, with this obligee." <laughs> Uh, so sometimes, you know, you get a, a difficult demanding or an, or an incompetent uh, obligee, you can have problems. Um, but um, what about the typical relet premium? Um, should that be a factor to consider? Because I know that that's been something that I think across the industry we're seeing, uh, 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 you know, larger premiums. Yeah, good question, Michael. Uh, and uh, just really quick, I think we've all come across those really persnickety uh, obligees and some some sureties just, death, you know, try to stay away from them. But, um, you know, regarding relet premiums, absolutely. You know, historically, and, and when I say historically, let's talk about pre-COVID and post-COVID, but, you know, a typical range was somewhere between 20 and 25 percent. It was, it was considered a norm. It's something that, uh, you know, me as a consultant, as well as, you know, some of my surety clients 
kind of anticipated and, and basically expected, yeah, all right, you know, we understand we're going to get a ding. But I can tell you that since COVID uh, and even, you know, more recently, some of these inflationary pressures, uh, we have seen pricing 75% or more in base bid unit costs uh, for projects that were let literally as, as late as 2020, 21, uh, 2021. Um, there's a couple factors, uh, you know, that we do look at, uh, as mentioned above. Um, just to add one or two more, like you said, percentage of completion. Um, the balance of the contract funds, that's also going to play a part into, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, how close are they to a penal hit? Um, and um, as you said, a schedule and, and looking at uh, potential LDs is, is another major factor. Yeah. Yeah, I know that these premiums are going out, going through the roof here. It's kind of crazy. All right, so so you know you've made that uh, determination to proceed with the relet. So what are the typical steps in the process? Walk us through that. Sure, sure. So uh, you know the surety is a partner in all this. Uh, we're we're not you know rogue uh, consultants out there just doing whatever. But typically. Uh, for example, Vertex, we have a standardized uh, SFO or uh, RFP. I'm from the Northeast, but I, I like RFP better. It's what I'm used to. But um, And we issue those to um, some qualified contractors. The last thing we want to do is go through this process, include some folks that uh, either get tripped up or, or, you know, might not even have, you know, bonding capabilities. So, um, you know, I, I would say step one is, Preparing the the, uh, the RFP and then uh, making sure you have a, a decent list of uh, potential qualified contractors. Uh, timeliness uh, is always a factor. Uh, naturally, um, as I had indicated uh, just just a few minutes ago, LDs, uh, if they are on a project and they're and they're quite hefty, uh, they can uh, continue to accrue um, as a pro you know as the project. Uh, goes forward. Uh, typically, you know, the, the project is not going to stop for uh, for for one um, subcontractor. Um, so uh, we need to be able to do something that would t normally take months in a regular uh, construction project, uh, and we actually try to turn that into weeks. Um, the steps specifically would include um, getting all the project documentation. Number one, so we understand what's going on, but number two, to be able to pass that along to um, our potential bidders. Uh, like I said, we evaluate the, um, the, the, the folks that we're going to be sending this out to. And we also look at um, possible ratifications of uh, subcontractors and suppliers to our principal. Um, that could definitely save some time and, and perhaps even some money. Um, and uh, then it's basically just assembling the package and, and distributing it to the bidders. Most everything nowadays is done electronically. It, it helps out tremendously. Um, and then, uh, you know, after that uh, package is sent out, we try to give, you know, at least a week's uh, lead time, seeing that at least here in Texas, everybody is extremely busy. Uh, ask Elon Musk uh, or, or your daughter that's about to work at Tesla. Um, right. The, uh, yeah, the amount of construction going on in Texas is crazy. So, you know, we, we give them about a week or so uh, to be able to look at the documents. Uh, we, we hold a site visit. Um, depending on uh, the particular project, it may be required uh, or it, it, we can actually, uh, we have a checkbox either required or recommended, um, but it's highly recommended uh, for the bidders to go out to the site, uh, look at it, 
Uh, and then we do have a, a, a brief period just in case contractors do have questions. And I would say lately more and more uh, contractors do have questions that we weren't able to answer either on the bid walk or within the documents themselves. Um, and uh, sometimes uh, as a consultant or a surety, we don't have the answers. Uh, at times we have to go back to um, either the obligee or an engineer of record uh, to ask and, and receive specific uh, questions from the bidders. Um, but most definitely there's also a closing date uh, for the bid process. And then um, those have to be uh, analyzed, reviewed, um, you know, a, a basically a, a write-up or an analysis sent to the surety and then basically selecting a bidder and then uh, negotiating between uh, the surety and at times uh, even the obligee. Right, right. Okay, so we'll we'll focus in on some of these steps um, as we go forward here. One one question I had though is how much time are you typically seeing the, the relet process take? You know, from the start to the bid closing these days. So again, depending on the complexity of uh, what's being relet, um, I would say uh, realistically we're looking at three to five weeks. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds pretty quick. Uh, so we're, we're going through these these steps that you just talked about in, in this process. Where are you finding most of the holdups are in the process typically? You know, a lot of it, it comes down to um, the bidder's understanding of of what's being uh, asked of them, and so we're seeing a lot of time and. Um, uh, with responding to potential bidders' um, questions. And a lot of times the answers are actually right in the bid package, but uh, often, um, as I just mentioned, uh, we have to get additional information. It could be very, very minute, uh, you know, one small point, but it could be worth, you know, $150,000. Uh, but so, uh, so a lot of time is actually being taken between um, either going through the documents, finding the answer to that uh, potential uh, bidder, or going back to, like I said, either the obligee uh, or the engineer record for that particular project, getting the necessary information, sending that out to not just the, the, the bidder that had made that, that list of questions, but basically everybody else, uh, allowing them to um, uh, review and revise uh, anything that they were about to send in. Um, and at times, we even have to revise our schedule of values that we ask them to fill out um, if additional information um, through some of these questions come in. So it's that intermediate portion that actually does take a lot of time nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. All right, so so one of the steps you mentioned, of course, in the process is uh, is to procure the project documentation. So just briefly, I mean, we you know we've got the limited time, but I, and most people know what these are, but just run through what some of these documents are that are necessary for that relet process. Sure, sure. So uh, documents, are, are, which are a must, are naturally the original contract uh, between uh, the principal and the obligee. Um, if the principal is a lower tiered, uh, we usually ask for the copy of the contract between the obligee and the owner. Um, all of the drawings, uh, specifications, addenda, um, any additional um, uh, change orders that are approved or potentially approved, um, any ASIs, architect uh, supplemental instructions, um, RFIs, requests for information uh, and responses back from um, uh, 
the governing body, whether it's the architect or the engineer. Submittal logs, making sure that we have all the submittals uh, so uh, bidders can, can know actually what was submitted and approved. Uh, payment applications, uh, the baseline schedule and any updated schedules, um, material on hand, uh, and if they've actually been paid for or not, um, any deficiencies uh, that may be listed, um, depending on where we are uh, in the project cycle, any punch lists if it's near the end of the job, and um, any back charges, claims, uh, or uh, unfortunately, if, if it's already in an LDs, get an assessment of where they are with LDs and, and you know how many days they're behind. Right, right. Okay, so uh, one of the other steps you mentioned was was the you know the, the site visit that the surety would make uh, to, to as part of the process, and so we can we can skip over that one. But uh, let's let's focus on. Um, uh, one of the steps you mentioned about ratifying subcontractors. Let's uh, talk about that for for a minute. Sure. So a subcontractor ratification is basically just taking something that's already in existence between the uh, principal and either a subcontractor or supplier. Um, again, depending on the complexity of the job, uh, this may entail um, uh, items that aren't uh, readily available or a specific task a subcontractor was willing to do that might not be easy to come by. Uh, and naturally, you know, if we're looking at a job that was bid out, you know, three or four years prior or two or three years prior, um, as we mentioned above with uh, escalating costs, um, the ability to save some, uh, some potential money and time uh, with some of these uh, subcontractors uh, and or suppliers is going to be extremely helpful. Um, naturally, we have to uh, look at um, the um, the contracts that they have or the purchase orders they have in place to make sure that uh, they can and are, are willing to um, uh, be ratified. Yeah. yeah, it's a good time too to, to, to look at, you know, if you've got maybe a bad sub or an underperforming sub and you know, maybe it's a good time to cut them loose, or if they're if you can get better prices. Sometimes the the bidders want to use their own subs in their relationships, so we have to look at that. And and as you mentioned, uh, whether the contract allows for a uh, a ratification scenario, or whether there's some kind of pro prohibition or or restriction on that. One of the one of the other key steps to the process is finding potential bidders and. We had one recently where we sent it out to about 10 people and, and, and one person came, came back. But walk us through that process. Well, I'm glad you said that because I'm not the only one. I'm going to have to let some of my clients know that uh, the, the Mr. Michael Stover had the same issues. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, we're hearing that either uh, uh, potential bidders are either super too, you know, too busy, uh, they're, they're understaffed, um, or the other big one is uh, um, taking over somebody else's work and, and, and taking on that risk. But what we do and we have to do is, is find bidders. Uh, and so typically we go back to the surety and ask them to speak with their underwriters or if we have the relationship to speak with the underwriters directly and some brokers in the area, knowing what type of work that is being relet and, and see if they can help out. Um, naturally, we look at the original bid tab. Uh, most uh, public uh, projects uh, are required to post those, so those are easy to get. Um, but we also go back to uh, and, and talk to the owner uh, or the obligee and find out if, if they have any um, uh, folks that they want to include, um, contractor associations, um, some um, databases for uh, DBEs and WBEs, 
And um, like I said, even even principal recommendations. If a principal is basically just on their last nickel, uh, they can't continue uh, due to a financial uh, consideration. Um, I've had multiple uh, successes in, in getting names of two or three uh, companies where uh, there's a good enough relationship where uh, they can actually get bidders uh, to come forward and, and help out and finish the work. All right, right. You mentioned the DBE directories, which raises the issue of whether the surety will have to find a replacement contractor to match any uh, socioeconomic compliance that the principal was satisfied, such as, you know, MBE, WBE, 8A, SDVBs, those kinds of things. And this issue could really impact the process. The surety needs to examine the contract documents to see what the requirements are and whether there are any terms requiring continued use of, of a, a, you know, such a contractor. Sometimes you can convince the obligee to waive the requirement or convince them that it doesn't apply to the surety under the performance bond. But if you've got a if you've got to come up with another MBE or DBE or WBE, it can be it can make the process uh, that much more difficult. So the next step um, is is assembling that bid package. So talk us through that step. Sure, and that's you know it, it, it's 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 like baking a cake. Basically, you have all the ingredients there. You literally just have to put it together. Most companies, uh, such as Vertex, we have a standardized template. Um, basically, it includes instructions to the bidder. Uh, key dates, uh, you know, when the uh, pre-bid conference is, when the bids are due, uh, if there's, uh, you know, uh, addenda information, uh, what the standard process is to provide, uh, to send us their questions or comments. Um, uh, the description of work, naturally. Uh, list of ratified con uh, subcontractors that we've included. Um, specific requirements for insurances and bonding uh, that could uh, go for both the owner and um, uh, the obligee, uh, and then just a ton of appendices, uh, all those documents that we had talked about previously, all of the relevant ones uh, are uh, part of that package. Um, depending on the surety, uh, uh, we will also include a copy of the completion agreement or the tender agreement. Um, and again, if we already know ahead of time uh, what the surety intentions are, we'll either, we'll have one or the other. Um, and then, like I said, date and time for a pre-bid walk. And um, we again, everything is electronic nowadays. Uh, typically, with all of the information that we just mentioned, uh, it's pretty voluminous. So um, again, technology is wonderful. We'll set up an FTP site, give um, all the bidders uh, access for a specific amount of days. That way, they can download and um, uh, review um, all the information that they need without uh, producing just, you know, tons of paper and documents so it goes it, it goes out pretty quickly yeah yeah no that's good so so one question i have is is and i've seen this go different ways with different um, consultants but do you typically require bidders to provide a bid bond in that relest process michael that's a good question and i i will say that you know like some of the other questions uh we've we've uh, talked back and forth it really considers on a project by project basis um, typically, some of the things we look at is what's the anticipated cost to complete? Is this like a hundred thousand dollar job or a twenty million dollar job? Um, what the percentage of completion is, um, and uh, what kind of comfort level we have with the uh, with the bidders uh, list? Right, right. That makes sense. So, so next, let's talk about the uh, bid closing and selection process. So, you sent out your RFP. You, you've identified who you're sending it to, and and now uh, you've got the bids coming back. 
Yeah, and this is uh, probably the most complex uh, part of, of the, the relet process. And I can tell you that if you put in the hard work up front, that is really getting a very well-defined scope of work um, that's agreed upon by either the owner or the obligee, making sure that is like literally spot on. If there are any quote unquote um, carve outs for latent defects of the previous contractor, things like that, um, you know, at the end of the day, we just need to make sure that every bidder uh, uh, feels comfortable uh, for not only this bid, but future bids that they're gonna be uh, given a fair shake. So we have to make sure that everything is apples to apples. At times, if there's um, wild uh, anomalies uh, in, in the numbers, uh, we'll have to go back, contact a specific uh, bidder, ask for some clarification, um, or other times we're just gonna find uh, that, uh, as you previously mentioned, you can invite 10 people, nine people will show up to the bid walk and one person, uh, one person shows up and, and actually provides a bid on the dates due. And then it's back at the phones, uh, really uh, going to all the people that went there asking why uh, they didn't want to uh, provide a uh, provide a number. Uh, naturally, at the end of the day, the surety doesn't want to walk into any negotiation with one number. Uh, so it's the the the, the bid analysis uh, could be a, a big headache. Uh, but like I said, if time spent well uh, in the front end, making sure that you've got a good hard schedule of values, the the analysis process can go a lot quicker. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's most of the the, the sort of prepackaged RFP uh, documents that I've seen. It's it's important to have the surety's rights regarding the bid evaluation and selection process clearly spelled out in in those documents. You know, so you avoid any claims from any disappointed bidders and give the surety the right to you know to, to cancel and walk away from all of it or or you know. To, to, to be flexible with the process because you just don't know what you're going to get at the end. So everyone has uh, war stories, I guess, regarding this process. What are some examples of, of some of the unique challenges that you have encountered in the relet process in your experience? Sure. So, you know, one is, uh, one is like I said, it, it really centers around um, the, the increased cost. But we had one recently where, uh, due to the lack of material, literally zero material was available. It was P specific PVC piping for water and sanitary work. And um, there was ample communication and correspondence between the engineer, uh, the principal, and the obligee. And it's just like, hey, listen, uh, can we substitute this material? We can't find this anywhere. No, uh, you know, we'll, we'll wait. And, oh, so. Uh, you know, six months later, uh, the principal uh, goes bankrupt. Uh, naturally, the, the obligee files uh, files a bond, basically says, you know, finish the work. And so it's like, what do you mean finish the work? <laughs> we haven't even started the work. Um, the, the good news is that you've got like a virgin job, literally meaning, you know, no work was touched. So it's a lot easier to, to rebid something like that. But the difficulty is, um, what do you do when the, the the numbers come back and they're almost 100% uh, above what the, uh, the 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 bond was? Uh, and so we've uh, actually uh, gone back and looked at uh, you know um, uh, certain defenses, uh, especially with uh, increased material costs. Uh, if they truly were not, were not available, is that an act of God? Um, 
uh, you know, we've, you know, and there's a lot of discussion back and forth. And, you know, one other option the sureties do have is, listen, if, if uh, you know, we can let you do what you want with the project and you can come back to us in court and we can discuss it then. Uh, so, you know, this one particular project, uh, we're literally in a waiting game right now. They, they've offered a, a bid bond uh, because there was a bid bond on this job. And, and like I said, the work never started and it wasn't uh, of their, you know, it, it wasn't caused by the principal. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it, it's still to be continued, but it's uh, very complex. Uh, and it's a big challenge, especially like I said, nowadays the uh, the the pricing coming back is is exorbitant. Yeah, I know. I know we've had issues in the past with trying to do relet projects where clearances were a problem. I, I, we had one where we couldn't get the people, uh, the the prospective bidders, out to the project in time to do site visits, and it was it, it's just the process sometimes of getting clearances to get on military bases can be a real problem with the when you're trying to move quick, you know, you got LDs, you know, breathing down your neck, and, and so that could be a problem. Um, well, I really appreciate you uh, you joining us today. We are about out of time here, so I'm going to have to wrap things up. I want to, um, before I uh, open up the line for any questions, I want to let everyone know that the next episode will be on July 10th, uh, of course, at 1230. And uh, some upcoming events in the surety world uh, tomorrow, actually, uh, June 13th, the Chicago Surety Claim Association is holding its annual golf outing. That's always a fun event. June 21st through the 23rd is the Surety Claims Institute uh, annual meeting. This year it's going to be in Cambridge, Maryland, right in our backyard. And our uh, very rich pledger will be presenting there. Uh, so go to our um, our blog, uh, the Surety Today blog website at WCSLaw.com. We've got a, a calendar of surety events there that we try uh, to keep updated. So if you're wondering where things are, what's going on, you can take a look there. So thank you to everyone for joining me and, and Mr. Stein today. And, and thank you again, Mark, for uh, for your insights on the relet process. You bet. Thank you. And I will uh, unmute the line and see. The conference is now in talk mode. OK, we're opened up for any questions. You can hear activity. <laughs> All right, doesn't sound like we've got any questions, Mark, which is not unusual. Sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. Not a problem. All right, well, thank you, everybody, and uh, and have a good day. And uh, I'll accept any and all prayers for this uh, cross-country driving trip I'm on. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surety Today. Audio recordings and white papers from prior episodes are available on the Surety Today page of the Wright, Constable, and Skeen website at wcslaw.com backslash surety-today.